Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we are a happily married couple of four children ages 11 through 3. We live in Montana. We homeschool and we are Christians and we like skiing and judo and long walks on the beach. We've never done a long watch, walk on a beach. No, we've never done a long, a long watch on a beach. Actually, ah. we did once. Did we? Yeah. When we took Elise to that conference in California when she was a baby, we probably did a long watch, walk on mm. the beach. Not the two of us, because yep. we had baby Elise with us, but that was, she's <coughs> seven. And that was in conference so, mode. Almost seven years ago. We did walk on the beach. I remember that. So if this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here and giving us some of your time. We hope you enjoy the show. We um, don't plan out uh, anything for the show. So it's generally really organic, raw, real, unfiltered conversations. Unfiltered? We filter ourselves, don't we? We do. I think I filter filter myself a little little bit. bit. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. So, when's the last time you added an explicit warning to our show? It's been a few episodes now. We'll occasionally talk about. <laughs> See, I just filtered myself because then I'd, if I said a few things, I'd have to like put an explicit warning on there. I don't want to. I don't want to do that right off the bat because I have no idea what we're talking about. So there's that. I did watch a really good video on pornography this morning. I found a new website, and I can't remember the name of the website now. But I will have JR post it in the show notes. And it was... No, I'm not going to try to find it on my phone right now. Anyway, they have a bunch of Vimeo uh, videos. Real short, two-minute clips. This is a two-minute clip. And it's a woman who's an MD talking about the way that she has seen pornography impact her patient's ability to have other relationships. And she she essentially says that pornography trains you that everything is about me me what can i get my taking things and that it hinders not only sexual relationships but relationships in general because basically what pornography trains someone to think is if there's nothing in it for me then i'm not going to be here for you and so we have this whole world of people who their not just their sex ed but their relationship education in general is through pornography teaching take what you can get from someone but nobody will be there for you relationally when when you need them hmm. and it's a two minute clip i thought it was i thought it was phenomenal so i'll have you post that okay and i'm gonna write down that note in the links so i have it do we have any life updates i'm feeling wildly uh not verbose today i don't like normally i kick off the show with something random that's happened but i just don't really have anything other than it's been really cold life updates it is bitterly cold outside i would prefer not to go outside but i'm trying to go outside for a few minutes a day because sunlight directly on your eyes helps regulate mm-hmm. your circadian rhythms. Um, I have spent most of today... Wasn't there a group called Circadian Rhythm? There was a group called Circadian huh. Rhythm. I can't remember if they were a Christian group or not. Interesting. I I don't know. 
I there's the Arcade Arcadian Wild. No, this is Not I the think Circadian there was a, there was a band called the Circadian Wild. I Circadian I have spent so you took two girls to the dentist today for cavity fillings and sealants mm-hmm. and stuff. And while you did that, I sat on the floor in front of the fireplace and sorted socks while Titus did his math and his English. Can I say that I'm really pleased that the fireplace fix was simply the on-off switch. It was. We've been having problems for the last couple of years. Well, just the last year. Yeah. We got it fixed last okay, season, right. and it was a major... It was a, a part that was had died and needed... It, it, it was but only an gas, $80 a, part, but it needed special yeah. testing and a professional to replace it. We have uh, a, a gas fireplace, and it wouldn't stay on. It would just randomly shut off, and then Molly one day said, you know... If I just come like fiddle with the switch, it seems to come on every now and then. Not even fiddle with it. If I just touched the switch, the flames, the flames, you guys would just randomly turn off, even though it had been blazing, the flames would randomly turn off and it was getting worse and worse to where you'd turn it on and the switch would be in the on position, but the flames would turn off. And for the record, Molly, Molly's touch is that good. When (laughs) she touches me, the flames are on and I turn on. It's just boom. You're, you said you're not feeling verbose <laughs> and wordy today. So anyway, all I did was change out the little switch with another it was switch a, from... It was an electrical connection issue. Yeah. In the, the, in the on So I was kind of happy with that. I was happy that you fixed it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. So I was sitting in front of the fireplace. You guys, socks are one of the banes of my laundry existence, which is saying a lot because laundry in general is one of the banes of my existence. And I, several times in the last couple weeks, I have a tub that's probably two feet by two feet long by a foot and a half wide and two feet deep that I have, I managed to sort and fold and get distributed to the kids' rooms, all other clothes except socks. So I sat in front of the fireplace for, I kid you not, well over an hour today and sorted socks and at one point, in fact, maybe I'll give JR this picture and he can post it as the in the show notes or as the cover for this episode Perfect. or something. Um, <clears throat> the quantity of socks that I it's it's maybe I won't. It's actually kind of embarrassing how many socks our kids own because I am that person who kids run out of socks and I give or they them, lose them and we have to buy. They lose them. Or, but I give my kids, I give my kids socks for Christmas in their stockings, and it's usually a multi-pack, a cost, a Wait, giant you give package. Kids socks in their stockings. <laughs> yeah, I don't usually Sorry. give them underwear, but I do give them socks. But I, I'm glancing at this picture. There are at least fifty pair, fifty socks here that do not have a pair, so they're just single socks. Some of them, I have an entire stack. For example. I bought. I should look through that. Girl. I've been like minus a couple socks here now for the last year. I bought these are all kid socks. This picture is oh. all kid socks. I do have some of your socks in the pile. These are all kid socks, and not a single sock in this pile has a matched pair. There are some of them. So, for example, this stack of heart ones right here. These are all Puma socks, and they all came in a set. They're all different colors with white hearts on them, and there are purple and pink and green and yellow. And not a single one of the matched ones. It's it's almost magical 
how many unmatched socks are there? And I can't imagine what happened. There are more unmatched ones than there are matched ones after I finished sorting the pile, which probably explains why when I handed the kids this bucket on several different occasions and said, your chore for the day is sorting socks. Get the socks sorted. Get the socks to your room. Why it always ended in failure. (laughs) Because here I am. I have... I went around the house and tried to dig up all of the tiny pockets of unwashed laundry that I could possibly find. And I have some in the laundry right now that will complete some of these pairs, but not all of them. And I I feel badly throwing this many socks away. <clears throat> and anyway, so I sat there thinking, will will there be sock folding in heaven? And will there be, clearly there will not be unmatched pairs of socks in heaven, but maybe we won't even need socks in heaven. Maybe we'll just to get to... We'll have big furry feet like hobbits. No, we'll just get to be barefoot when we're dancing on the streets of gold. Oh my gosh. I mean, barefoot, if there's no, if there's no crying I or can't pain, imagine. why do we wear socks? We only wear socks to prevent pain, right? Rubbing <sighs> inside of our shoes or cold feet. So if there's no pain... In heaven, we don't need socks. Jesus didn't wear socks. I can't imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just still stuck on the image of me dancing in joy on streets of gold. That's never, that's not my personality. It's never going to happen. If it happens, you danced with your daughters at a little daddy daughter thing. I had to have like four beers in me first. Well, anyway, so you don't believe. The I mean, song. I do like dancing, but you it's like that don't weird believe the song stuff. that you will dance on streets that are golden. I believe I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the interpretation that it is uh, uh, figurative and I don't, I don't allegorical. Know is that actually in the Bible? I don't think there's there's dancing God. on the streets of gold in the Bible. There's streets with of gold, and there's like I said, like David danced before figurative. the Lord shamelessly. It's not even figurative. It's just some songwriter's poetic license about what we'll be like in heaven. But I'm just oh. I'm just going to go back to my original point, which is that Jesus didn't wear socks. No, he did not. And, and in therefore, fact, there will be no socks in the, the new heaven and the new earth. Our kids, one of our kids learned about washing feet in Sunday school on Sunday. And I asked what it means, what's important about it. She had no idea. Feet get really dirty. That's really interesting because the adult Sunday school class that we were at also mentioned foot washing. And I got stuck on that I I think it's weird and sort of silly to do like a foot washing ceremony at a wedding. Uh-huh. And I don't... I, I was, was nursing the beginnings of a headache and I... I don't necessarily. I was thinking We're probably, about washing feet at wedding and nursing the beginnings of a headache. And I wonder why. Couldn't really play. I don't know. I'm sure I'm offending somebody right now who did foot washing at their wedding. And there's probably <sighs> somewhere out there, someone out there too. You know who, what? People you, are free to do what they want at weddings. You are. Go for it. Did you? I'm probably going to offend you. At your first wedding, did you guys pour sand together into a jar? No. Okay. No. Good. I, I have very little memories about my first wedding. I remember my buddy Will doing an incredibly excellent job on the music uh he ended up having an affair with a gal in portland and huh. his ex-wife married oh, one of my other college buddies who they yeah. now live in minnesota 
Wild memories. Yeah. Uh, speaking of church, the cat's out of the bag. I'm not done talking about socks. Oh, okay. We'll go back to the cat in a minute. There's no cats and bags. We're not talking about cats and bags this time, except for our cat who has discovered cats a love for the firefly. For our fire no, I was going to talk about the the. I was going to mention the. The dream of planting a church. The church plant. Well, it's not really a dream. It's actually happening, and conversations are happening, and there's no need for weird rumors or anything anymore. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's one of the driving factors behind one of the, one of the larger reasons I'm looking i'm interested in taking this uh this job in laurel with my buddy because it gets me out in the community a little bit mm-hmm. rubbing shoulders with the peeps kind of stoked about it so no your dad just uh your dad just pinged me about going to look at a potential meeting space oh so that's kind of cool okay. so friends that's been something that's been we've been hinting at and talking about for a long time now but it hasn't been in a place where we can actually mention anything. So now we can actually mention things, which is cool. So excited about that. Anyway, um, cats and boxes and bags. And... No, we're just talking about socks. Oh. I have a friend who texted cats and socks? me. No, socks in heaven. Socks and box and fox. Fox and socks. I have <laughs> a friend. You know, that's a Dr. Seuss book, yeah. right? Fox and socks checking his stocks. <laughs> A modern doctor. From a box full of rocks. So I have a friend, speaking of things that we like or dislike and what heaven will be like, I have a friend who messaged me yesterday, day before maybe, and asked, will we, in fact, I'm going to read the text verbatim because it was so funny to me. I don't think she listens to our podcast. She says... So we can throw her under the bus. No, I'm not going to mention her name, but she says, do you think we can eat lots of ice cream in heaven without getting fat? I'm not drunk. This is a very serious question. I want to see who this is from. <laughs> so, <laughs> I yes. So one of my favorite people ever. So my response though was like, oh, <laughs> you just hit one of my favorite pet subjects. <laughs> I'm going to take this very seriously. Which is ice cream in heaven? No. Oh, food in heaven. Me. Food in heaven. And I, my response to her was. I think that our tastes will be perfected in heaven and will be in perfect alignment. Well, I hope so, because eating food is delicious. Well, it is. And 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 going along with the the uh, end of craving and the model health show podcast that we've been talking about, the more closely in tune our bodies are and our brains are with what our bodies need the better our taste actually aligns with what our bodies need. And in heaven, there will not be foods that are bad for us because it's heaven, right? And nothing is going to be harmful to our glorified bodies. Now, are you talking, uh, when you mean heaven, are you talking about that intermediary space before the new heavens and new earth? Or are you referring to heaven as the new heavens? I'm referring to heaven as the new heavens and the earth. New right. earth. When Christ comes back in glory yeah. and all is made right. and I kind of figure our lives are going to look, look a lot like they look now with perfect communion with God, with perfect work that we do, with everything just perfected and... 
Right. So yeah. you look at Adam and Eve. They they worked. They enjoyed their work. They were satisfied in their work. They mm-hmm. had a perfect relationship with the food they ate, with the environment around them, with their mental health, their their bodies. They were their minds were in perfect relationship with their bodies. They were in perfect relationship with God, and you know the the world itself was in perfect relationship with itself. And so if you if you and their their goal was to their their mission from God was to bring that perfection into all of the earth. Now, fill the earth and subdue it. Now, that mission and goal has obviously been corrupted through the fall Mm -hmm. and through our broken relationships. But I think that the broken relationship that our brains have with desiring things that are bad for our bodies and the broken relationship that our bodies have with the food that we consume around us that is not good for us, whether it's the chemicals that we're consuming that harm our bodies, whether it's as in the end of craving, the thing that he talks about is even fortifying food with additional vitamins was supposed to be this great thing for us. Like we're eating processed white bread and in the process we're getting our iron and our thiamine and our niacin. And instead it's confused our bodies and our metabolisms and you know when you eat a pint of ice cream nowadays you're doing it often if you're eating a pint of ice cream by yourself you're doing it out of some sort of mental anguish right or you're doing it out of some desire for a (laughs) dopamine like so he talks about what if you just like i'm in the mood for ice cream right are you gonna gonna eat eat it are you gonna eat an entire oh an entire pint there's something disordered I think in the desire oh. that drives you to eat something that's good to excess. Well, what if you just like, eh, whatever, I don't care, and you just eat it all? Well, it's good. That's it's I think that's disordered. Oh, I think it's a it's a not healthy way of interacting with mm. food, and so I don't know what this looks like. I happen I think that you know, like the eating a piece of dark chocolate satisfies cravings instead of eating two bags of potato chips sort of thing. I think that we will be deeply... I'd rather have potato chips. We will be... Potato chips are really good. I'm Chocolate not going to lie. Chocolate-covered potato chips are amazing. We will be perfectly and deeply satisfied in our bodies and our souls, in every sphere, in our relationship with our God, in our relationship with each other, in our relationship with work, in our relationship with... You know, just the world around us and in our relationship with food, we will be perfectly satisfied and our tastes will align. You know, the the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we always read that as being metaphorical, like be around God and you'll experience his goodness. But I think there's also a very literal sense in which we taste of the goodness of God when we enjoy appropriately the good things that God gives us. And so, so I am making a note right now to preemptively put a link to the supper of the lamb <laughs> in the show notes, because Molly derives all of my this theology. is, this is, this is form. No, this has played a significant role. I think in formulating your beliefs, your, your, um, eschatology if you will yeah for sure my you know and my teleology which is Mm -hmm. my understanding of the purpose for which that's right we learned that word in the world we're created three weeks three weeks ago oh it's been quite a while ago that was back when i was 
reading more of Carl Truman, he talks about teleology in The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. But what is the purpose for which we were made? I mean... To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Right. Our three-year-old knows this. Exactly. This is her favorite answer. She calls our catechism book the glorify God and enjoy it forever, enjoy it forever book. <laughs> but... But and then, yes, we're still working through it, and we're only on and question then, eleven. It's been four. Years. I don't think we've ever mentioned this, but John John Piper tweaks that into we glorify God by enjoying Him forever. In other words, that we actually bring glory to God by finding our deep joy and satisfaction in Him, and not only in Him, but in the gifts that He gives us in the world that He made, and in being in right relationship with the world. So. Anyway, all of that is a very long answer, although I gave her a longer answer because I said, if if you want to know why I'm so emphatic in saying, yes, you will be able to eat all of the ice cream you want in heaven, but it may not look quite like you think it will look because you may not desire all of this ice cream. You may eat an appropriate amount of ice cream and your body will say that's the perfect amount of fat and sugar I'm totally satisfied. Because the ice cream is going to be perfect, obviously. It will. Well, it will. I mean, for real, though. Like, if you look at a store-bought tub of ice cream, there are so many additives to just a normal ice cream that you buy. It's not good for you. But if you make ice cream at home from good milk and good cream and good sugar and good natural flavors, I... I would let our kids eat, literally eat as much ice cream as they wanted in a sitting. And first of all, I think that they would be deeply satisfied. They wouldn't eat to excess in it mm-hmm. because their bodies would be appropriately engaging the amount of good fat and the amount of sugar and the calories. The calories match what their body is telling them that they're getting. They will eat it to satisfaction. They will think it's delicious. They will enjoy it, and it will not have negative effects on their body. So yesterday, <clears throat> we went to. Uh, I was. What was I doing? You were taking your nephew home. I was taking my nephew home, and my daughter Elise went with me. And on the way home, we stopped in at one of our uh, local restaurants. Yeah, Commons and. Elise really wanted, because I was going to stop in and have a beer and bring Molly to go cocktail on the way home, and Elise wanted a lemonade, and then she really, really wanted some of those pub chips they make. Apparently, No, pub chips. Because apparently Greg, uh, the former owner, once came out at one point and just of his goodwill just plopped a bowl or a plate or something in front of Elise. And so she really wanted some. They were so good. They were so thin, so crispy. Amber said they've started uh, doing them fresh now instead of buying them, um, buying them or prepackaged. They're actually just cutting them up fresh every morning, and hmm. oh, they're so good. <laughs> so anyway, I've had a one-track mind since you mentioned potato chips. All you want chips. is potato chips. All I really want is some potato chips. Right now. <laughs> we have not yet tried potato <laughs> chips in the air fryer. Uh, let's do it. We should try that. Can we cut? Can we slice thinly slice potatoes with like the meat slicer? Would that work? We could. We could also do it. We have one of those spiralizers that has different things on it. Mm. And you can also use, you know, the box cheese grater that I have. Oh, yeah. We can use the cheese slicing edge of that. 
So you could make your own hash browns with the with the cheese slicer too, then, because you could just shred the potato with the cheese side. You could. I side. don't like hash browns made by shredding fresh potatoes. They they don't. There's something about the way the starches are released in the potatoes. Huh. Potato chemistry is fascinating. So so do you need to do something different for potato chips? Or is there too much moisture or something? Or Well, so if you're making french fries in the oven, the the ideal thing to do with just good old russet potatoes is you slice, you cut them into whatever size of potato french fry that you want. And then you soak them in a bowl of cold out, cold water for several hours, and it I you releases were say cold alcohol. Cold water. I'm, I'm on board with this. Cold water, <laughs> and and if you somehow that causes the potato to release starches that create gumminess, like chewiness, and then you have to dry them completely. You pat them dry with towels, and then you toss them in oil, and then you. And then you bake them at very high heat so it crisps up on the outside. The thing about if you shred the potatoes, the starches are released in such a way that I think it creates more gumminess. There's also a real interesting science to making mashed potatoes, where if you overmix mashed potatoes, they get gummy, like um, almost have like a... I can't I can't come up with a better text better description than gummy. And they're not light and fluffy. So the thing with mashed potatoes is some people will actually do them in a ricer. Do you know what a ricer is? It's a it's like a metal plate and then you put the potato cube in it and you smash it. It's like a giant garlic press. Huh. And you smash it and it, it pushes the potato through in real thin strands. Why is it called a ricer? Uh I think because the strands that it pushes the potato through in are about as wide as a grain of rice. Mm. It doesn't have anything to actually do with rice. Or you can mm. get the old school potato mashers. You know, we have one that's black and is about, what, four inches around. And you mash it by hand. And it's hard to get the fluffiness when you're mashing it by hand, which is why people like the ricer, is because it incorporates a lot of air into it. But if you do it in, like, a mixer, you can very very quickly get it just go from fluffy and creamy to like chewy and gummy and it has to do with the starches in the potato well after the show i'm gonna go upstairs and slice a potato we don't have any potatoes in the house what is wrong with us um, I have Are we not... protesting the Irish? What's going on? No, I make a meal plan and then I shop according to the meal plan for the week. How about your mom? Can we steal some from your My mom? My mom doesn't eat potatoes. She doesn't think that they're good for you. How, I disagree, how am I gonna get, but... How am I going to get my potato chip fixed? Well, you can go to a grocery store and buy me some bananas and some potatoes while I'm making dinner. They oh, won't really go with the taco so salad bad. I'm planning for dinner. But potato chips and taco salad? Yes, they will. It's like a tortilla chip, but with potatoes instead of corn. That is a tremendous stretch, but okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yellowish and crunchy. I mean, yes, they're cooked the same way, but they don't really complement food the same way. Do you think you could make do you think I could make my uh tortilla chips in the air fryer with corn tortillas like I used to in the deep fryer? I think you probably could. I think they'd be as delicious. I need to. I have a Misto 
oil sprayer and it broke. I need to buy a new one because one of the things about the air fryer is you need a, a mist of oil over the top of it and then it blasts that little bit of oil around and thinly coats everything. And so I've been having trouble with like the fried chicken that I tried to make the other day. I couldn't get the fat circulating in the air that was blasting around it well enough to crisp up all of it. So we can we can safely say that the air fryer is not a full true replacement for a deep fat fryer because they do different things because they're cooked differently. But it's pretty stinking close, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's designed to be a close... Like people will do... Mm-hmm. Donuts in it where mm. they'll put, they just buy like biscuit dough from the in the can and then Pillsbury. cut a hole in it. Yeah, which isn't um, a true donut, but we did. So the reason I'm we're talking about the air fryer like it's something new is because it is to us. <laughs> <laughs> Molly got one for um, Christmas, your birthday. One of those, they're close from enough. Your mother. I confused and, them. And uh, so it's slowly been replacing every other cooking appliance in our house. Yeah. It's uh, not every it. It's got its very some very good uses, but I don't think it could replace everything. But I should have tried heating up my taco in there. My little your breakfast, breakfast burrito, burrito in the air fryer. Yeah. See, I don't know. Like, there's something very special because I did about a tortilla fried in butter on a. Well, skillet. see, that's I wasn't going to change that part. I was actually musing about replacing how I use the minimal amount of my microwave usage and how I use the microwave oh. um, is very uh, just replacing the microwave because it'll kill you. Microwaves kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do cell phones. So I'm getting rid of my cell phone tomorrow. Yeah, right. I have things Sorry. to say Apparently about that. Apparently I'm kind of snarky. Apparently you are. So, I have been thinking for several weeks now. This is I lectured JR on this at bedtime last night. Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> this, this will be from now until... This is good, though. How much time do we have? Now until the end of the podcast is what you guys get. I, I have heard four or five messages... On Peter's vision in the book of Acts. And she's thought they all sucked. No. She's no. Like, what don't is wrong with this? That. Don't say that. <clears throat> I, you know, so Peter himself recounts the vision twice in Acts 10 and then again in Acts 11. So if you have a pastor who's preaching straight through, he he's going to preach that passage twice. We also had a guest preacher come and preach it before our pastor preached it and then we had a guest preacher come just a few weeks ago and he preached the same i can't remember if it's x 10 or 11 but they're almost verbatim the same and one of these one of these four times somebody made the point which i think is absolutely correct that if this is so important this is such an important passage in acts that luke takes the time to tell the entire thing twice which you know, if you're if you're trying to be clear and concise in what you write, which Luke, the doctor, was very deliberate in what he wrote. He knew exactly what he was doing. And then, of course, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he's even more deliberate in what he's doing. He tells the same story twice in a row. Once when he's when Peter's reporting what he his vision to Cornelius and company. 
And then he goes back to Jerusalem and they're like, you did what? And he's like, no, no, no. Listen to this vision I had. And he tells the same vision. So it's very, very important and describes a pivotal turning point in biblical history. So they make this point and then and then this has been my problem with how the passages have been preached. They say this is really important. So we move straight to essentially modern day racial reconciliation. So we go from from this is a really important passage of scripture. Jews and Gentiles were separated and now what God has declared unclean is clean and so Black Lives Matter. It, not quite like that. <laughs> Pretty stinky but, close, But though. it has felt like that. And I don't disagree with the fact that we as a church should be leading the charge in many ways in racial relationships. I disagree with the charge that the church has not been leading that charge because if you look at global relationships, we, I mean, even our little church in Billings, Montana has great relationships with brothers and sisters in Bangladesh, with brothers and sisters in Mexico, and a genuine interchange of relationship and ideas along with brothers and sisters all over other parts of the world that we don't have as much of a relationship with because we haven't been with them for decades now in relationship. But I think that that is multiplied by churches. I mean, thousands fold every church. I would be willing to guess that almost every church in America has some sort of relationship with somebody overseas, maybe maybe not doing a great job of loving our neighbor across the street as much as overseas, which is where we need to humbly listen and repent and learn. And that is a great application for this passage in Acts. But my problem has been it skips understanding what God is actually doing with Peter in the book of Acts. And it actually makes the application and the understanding of then bringing it to the present day too small and too short-sighted. So here's here's the here's what I think God is doing in Peter's vision in the book of Acts. The book the Peter's vision is first and foremost a holiness message and by that I mean that when God tells his people in the book of Leviticus, you shall be holy as I am holy. I believe it's Leviticus 11. I should have looked it up before coming. But it's literally in the in the passage, in the middle of God saying, don't eat shellfish and don't eat. If an animal splits the hoof and doesn't chew the cud, don't eat it. And if it chews the cud and splits the hoof, you can eat it. And if... And, and then right in the middle of all this, and, you know, I'm, I just go ahead and add in there, and if a woman's doing a monthly discharge, she's unclean, you can't touch her, you're also unclean, and, da, 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 you know, if you're oozing pus, you're unclean, and then if you happen to touch something, you have to burn it or do ritual purification on it, and on and on and on. And then God says, be holy as I am holy. And then he goes back into all of 11, these. Uh, Leviticus 11.44. 
And it's literally and in the 45. middle of a bunch of yeah. pa- of list mm-hmm. of rules about clean and unclean. A things. lot of it's about eating. Exactly. Chapter ten is about eating. So, 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 be holy as I am holy. Is is how do you? And then the clean and unclean. I should have written this out so I could be more concise. The clean and unclean laws were a way of God's people physically and experientially knowing at a gut level what holiness is and what it means to be separated and set apart and presentable to a holy God. If there is any blemish in you, i.e. you have come into contact with something unclean, you are at risk of dying if you come before a holy God. That's why they tied a rope around the high priest before his leg before he went into the Holy of Holies, just in case he had any blemish on him because coming face-to-face, and that the Holy of Holies wasn't even face-to-face, coming face-to-face with a holy God in your unholiness is a threat to your very life. And yet... God's people knew that without being near God, without God being with them, they were dead. They had to be to draw near to God and to cleanse themselves to have life itself, let alone a full and abundant life where the holy God is looking down on them with favor. And so all of the clean and unclean laws were created to help them understand what it means to live quorum Deo face-to-face with a holy God. And even that's not possible because you can never be clean enough to live before a holy God. Ed Welch, in a seminary lecture where he was talking about shame, and I know I've mentioned this on our show before, he talked about shame as being an internal experience of being unclean. It's just this deep sense of knowing that you're unclean and unworthy of something. And in his counseling practices, he would talk to people who were paralyzed by shame with, he would talk to them about the clean and unclean laws. And what what was interesting in the Old Testament about things that are unclean is uncleanness is contagious. So, If you're clean and I'm unclean for whatever reason, I've eaten shellfish or I'm on my period or whatever, and I touch you, you are now unclean. And if I have, you know, I mean, on and on and on, I could come up with literally Leviticus worth of... I'm imagining a kid's game after church called Clean Unclean, where they run around and one person tags, you're the leper this time, and they tag everybody else, and they become unclean. Then suddenly only Jesus, somebody, somebody's like, well, I'm Jesus this time, and they run around and, and clean everybody by touching them. It's right. It's a fancy game of tag. It is. It's, <laughs> that would be a hilarious vacation Bible school thing. But what, you're, but, but what you mentioned, and is Jesus running around tagging everyone, is that's the crazy switch. From the New Testament, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is in the New Testament, what does Jesus walk around doing? It he walks around, he touches lepers. He touches people who are ritually unclean. He associates with the woman at the well who is unclean. He the woman who's had the discharge for twelve years or whatever, 
she touches him. In the under Old Testament law, Jesus would have become unclean and unworthy to be to be able to go into the temple to present himself to God, all of these things. And then other people should have not shunned him because uncleanness is contagious. But for Jesus, his holiness slash cleanness trumps all other uncleanness. So what happens is the unclean woman does not make Jesus unclean, but he heals her and she has become clean by him. And that's why that's 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 why the shift from old covenant clean unclean laws are abrogated it's not some arbitrary thing it's but it's because the holiness of god is now with and among us and in us so that because we have christ's holiness we don't have to be afraid of unclean people, we are making us unworthy or unable to be in the presence of a holy God. Having Christ in us and his perfection applied to us means that when Jesus says things like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me, now we don't get to God by the priest who has done all of these clean things and goes into the Holy of Holies once a year, we get to God through Jesus. And we don't have to worry, and when our identity is in Christ, we don't have to worry about other people making us unclean. So the Jews in the Second Temple period had all of these rules and laws that kept them away from Gentiles, right? And they had turned them into a superiority thing. Like, we're better than you, we won't eat with you, we won't be contaminated by you. And they had internalized a sense of superiority because we're God's people and we're not going to be sullied by dirty Gentiles. But that's, that's the sinful application of that. The actual point of the separation laws was they are a threat to you Because their uncleanness, their unclean food, their unclean being, their unclean habits will actually separate you from God. They are a threat to your relationship with God and thus to your very life if you believe that your relationship with God is life. So unclean people by Peter's vision are no longer a threat to you because God has now changed the definition of who is holy and who is unholy, who is clean and who is unclean, and he's also changed how holiness and uncleanness are spread. So uncleanness is now a matter of the heart, and yes, bad bad company corrupts good behavior, but your uncleanness of heart doesn't make me unclean and doesn't threaten my relationship with God. So the dividing line of who's who's in and who's out of God's people is different, and also the dividing line of what threatens my relationship with God, and thus my well-being, my righteousness, my very life, is different. So if you if you bring that application into the modern day, I think it still for sure has tons of racial reconciliation connotations. 
but it's it becomes very much a matter of the heart because when I look at someone who looks different than I look or who acts different than I act or who has different cultural customs or different whatever, I become tribal because deep in my heart is a belief that other people are a threat to me. And and that's that's actually true. Um Yeah, there might be application there, but that's not the point of the passage, it sounds like. You see what I'm see what I'm going? It it is the point of the passage. But but they're preaching like one application of and totally missing because nobody none of the sermons I heard from any of these people touched on on the holiness. It's it and it's it's so through holiness it becomes an identity in Christ issue. And so we, because we're not threatened by the people around us, can joyfully and confidently enter into spheres of people who are different than we are, whether that's ethnically or in any other way. Politically. Politically. Because, I mean, that's... Your approach on the vaccine. (laughs) Well, yeah, but but the thing is, is because... Masks are not masks. Because, and I... Maybe I'm preaching this to myself around my own heart issues and they're preaching this around their own heart issues. But when I when I'm around people who are different than I am, I tend to feel like my worldview or my sense of well-being is threatened. In other words, I've I've rooted my identity in my politics or in my my healthy eating and when someone says i'm healthy i eat healthier than you do (laughs) (laughs) even if it's an eight-year-old boy who's being a turd which may have happened recently when somebody says i eat healthier than you do i take it i have this visceral reaction that somehow you're threatening and it's my self-righteousness it's my sen- it's it's the structure that I've created around myself to say I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay in this world. I'm feeding my family well. I'm raising my kids right. I'm doing things as a mom right. Like there's on Instagram there's this mommy war sort of subtle thing in some circles going around where there's some moms who are all about the mommy wine culture and they have drinks, you know, and cups and coffee, you know, coffee cups like in the morning this is coffee in the afternoon it's wine and then there's other moms who are like this is terrible you can't drink because of your kids you're an alcoholic you're terrible and and both of them in some ways have funny good points but when it gets to be if you're calling me out on something and I take it personally and it becomes a way that somebody has created their own sense of Mm self-righteousness and tim keller calls this you know he's the one who for me has really laid out in a human perspective righteousness is how i feel like i'm right with the world and so we have all of these things that help us feel right with the world that we do consciously or subconsciously and when those are threatened that's where people become my enemy and an alien and other and that's where we have to look at our identity in christ and say because i'm in christ 
because I get to stand before face to face in Christ way beyond what the people of the Old Testament could ever have even imagined in terms of a relationship with God. I get to see God face to face through Christ and nothing threatens that. Nothing threatens my sense of well-being and my closeness to God and thus my very life. I don't have to be threatened by people who are other than I am, even if those people are unclean in some way, whether that's literal, which would be, you know, the church back. Do you remember the beginning they of it? haven't bathed in a while and they smell funny. Well, that's me. But no, I... I like the remember, way you smell when you haven't bathed. Do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic when I was reading George Mueller? Yeah. And that was one of our first episodes. I know. And wow, how much the world has changed since then. You know, that was back when that was back when COVID hadn't been named and it was only in China and we were like, Boy, I hope those Chinese Christians sure handle this well. <laughs> and looking at George Miller, you know, during the days of the plague in England, he continued going from house to house and his wife was like, You're gonna catch it and you're gonna die and he's like I'm doing what I'm called to do, and I'm doing it without fear. And he lived to a very ripe old age and just went to sleep one night and didn't wake up the next day. He, I think that he was living out the literal clean and unclean because people who were unclean in a health sense were not a threat to him. And he could go to them without either psychologically or physically feeling like other people were a threat to him. And that's how God has made the two. One is he's taken, he's redefined what it means to be holy and what it means to be God's people and and made it a matter of the heart. And just the, you know, the book of Hebrews, the permanence and the safety that we have being before the presence of God. And just one more random thought. If you read the books of First and Second Peter in light of understanding that, who is it in the New Testament in his letters who tells the recipients of his letters, God says, be holy as I am holy. You are a holy people, a chosen nation. It's Peter. So he is, in my opinion, following on this train of thought that I'm using and I haven't read all of first and second Peter in light of this, but I have looked at snippets of it. And I think it's really interesting because when he says you're a holy people or chosen people, a holy nation, he's not just writing to Jews. He's writing to a mixed church. And so he himself is taking this understanding of clean, unclean, holy, unholy, and then applying it very practically to a group of exiles who are trying to live out their faith in a hostile world. I'm out of breath. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. Well, I, that was awesome. Um, As you know, Well, I'll just tell our I'll tell our podcast listeners. I was super. Um, I think I went to bed and I said, "Hey, thanks for <laughs> ministering to my soul," or something like that. Because when you started talking about 
not meeting the standards of holiness and Christ's holiness makes it was just for some reason that just that resonated with me as being just really super encouraging and freeing. Um, it was just it ministered to my soul. I'm lucky to have you as a wife because mm-hmm. I don't deserve you. You are. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve you at all. Don't touch me. I'll make me unclean. It's true. Just kidding. It's true. Um, right. So I don't have anything to add to that. So we'll just close on that note. Um, for the, some of the links we've mentioned in the show, those are going to be in the show notes. Um, and you can uh, just click on those and do your thing. If you'd like to continue in the conversation or join us uh, in other random conversations, things have actually been pretty quiet this week, but we have a Telegram group. Telegram is uh, is an app um, similar to well, a group message board. Anyway, you can... Um, Whoops. You can uh, <clears throat> join us on Telegram. I'll include the link in the show notes as well. And you can send us a message there. Or... Both of our moms are now on it. That's super funny. Um, we have to keep up with uh, with the Bockers because... We're, we're never going to keep up with the Bockers. They keep adding family members left and right. <laughs> um, you can also send us a message on our website using the postcard feature at www.telegram.com tb2f.com or too busy to flush it's all grammatically correct except the tb2f that part is the number two so tb2f.com or www.toobusytoflush.com you can also catch up on past episodes and uh, order some swag shack if you want we have additional links for some of the key major things like the supper of the lamb for instance if you scroll down in our swag shack you'll see a recommended items link to mostly Amazon links. Um, we do get a fractional uh, kickback uh, whenever you guys purchase something using one of our links. So thank you for that. It's marginal, but it doesn't even really keep the websites on the air. But anyway, um, it's all good. And uh, if you like... Uh, where was I going with that? If you like what you read, give us a rating on it. Yeah. Oh! haven't said that in a while too yeah if you guys are listening to us on uh itunes or even google um i think spotify just recently launched uh podcast reviews um please give us uh, a review on that that really helps search rankings and um can put us at the top of uh, lists but the most the biggest compliment you can give us is to share share an episode or share a thought or engage it's just really fun to have you guys to talk to you guys so thank you for joining us uh we will hopefully be out with another episode next week and um yeah so that's all i got do you have anything else you want to add babe before i run off and buy potatoes and (laughs) bananas bananas i'm gonna go to commons and get another beer that was delicious when it's cold out you know they've got guinness on nitro oh man Super frothy, rich, warms the soul. No, I don't have anything else to add. Okay, nothing else to add. All right. Well, that said, have a great week, guys. And we'll talk to you next week.